Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. It's a brand new Monday edition of Flyers Daily. I am buzzing right now, not because Boston lost, not because Florida won, just because this first round's been awesome. Let's talk about it with our Monday insider. He joins us every Monday. You read his work on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It is the one and only Bill Meltzer. Bill, Florida game just ended a little bit ago. We were going to tape earlier, and we decided to push a little later because we wanted to see how that one ended. Boy, what a series and a lot of guts on those Florida Panthers. I really, you know, down trailing in the well, trailing three one in the series, of course, too. And then trailing in the third period, you know, Boston comes back on them, scores three unanswered goals. And, you know, I mean I I I have to admit I thought, okay, well, they're you know, Boston's gonna close us out. Boston was the best closeout team in hockey this year. Yeah, and uh, I mean, just 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 enormous credit to Florida to to find a way through the series, um, you know, and and it it's further proof that uh, you know, you get in the playoffs and anything can happen. Every yeah. every series has its own personality, and nothing that happened the regular season matters once you're in the playoffs. It, it's it's amazing because you know Florida last year wins the President's Trophy with yeah. 122 points. They end up uh, getting bounced out in the first round. Of course, I think last year they faced in that first round. Didn't they get Tampa in the first round there? Yeah. Yeah. So, so they draw a horrible draw. This year, they get in as wild card number two. First of all, they get in on the back of the final eight games and a six-game uh, winning streak from Alex Lyon, of all people. Yeah. And he yeah. manages to stick a $10 million goalie on the bench for the first three games of this series. And Florida still comes back and wins this series. Unbelievable. And, Bill, I, I think the thing that, you know, you and I talk about roster construction a lot. We talk about regular season versus postseason. And there's just some guys that, in every series, when you get one of these ones like this, a classic, and this is a seven-game or 43 points difference from, you know, where the Bruins finished this regular season, that historic season of 135 points. Florida finished with 92 standings points. Yeah. 43 points difference, but there's always some guys that step up and just have what it takes to win in the playoffs. And in that game seven, I thought it was Brandon Montour. No doubt. No doubt. Um, uh, You know, obviously one of the biggest plays you'll see in the postseason in any series, but I mean, just, just in general, he played, he played with so much hard determination and guts, you know, that that, that's the kind of guy who's just a warrior in the playoff series. And, And you need, those kind of players who they may, they may not be the stars. They may not be the guys in the regular season who stand out. And then you, then you see them in a playoff series. So like, like, okay, you know, that, that that's why you need these kind of guys uh, on your team. And, and to me, Bill, I think the thing that is so interesting about guys like that. And when a team's going through the playoffs and you're covering a team or you're along for the ride with a team is you get to hear from teammates, what they think of guys like that. Yeah. And to me, that's, you know, the amount of respect that guys like that unheralded, but just do so many things that maybe don't show up on, you know, the highlight reels or uh, in the articles, but the player respect, player to player respect is so high with those kind of players. Oh, no, yeah, no doubt. And, and another one from Florida. Um, I mean, he was out for some goals against too, but 
I thought Radko Gudas just was an absolute warrior in that every inch of the ice you got to fight him for, you know. Yeah. And we saw that here in Philly too. But uh, you know, he's a he's such a hard player to play against. He he always extracts his pound of flesh, you know, game after game and in, in a series. That that's why I wonder, you know, because he's he's yet to play in a playoff series. What would Rasmus Ristolainen be like in a playoff series? Because I, I have a feeling he'd be one of those guys who'd just be a bear to play against in a playoff series. Yeah, I mean, the other guy Florida has that, you know, I think you and I both respect the hell out of his game. He may step over the line at times like Gudis, but Matthew Kachuk, to yep. me, just seems like a bright lights, big, you know, playoff type performer because of the way he plays. I mean, we talked about it last year when he became available. I had to move mountains to get him. He wasn't coming here because yep. he had held all the cards and there was only a few places, St. Louis, Florida, obviously, where he would go and extend and he went and uh, good on him for doing it. They got themselves a hell of a player. And Paul Maurice uh, gets that team out of the first round while Winnipeg goes home after one round. And let's talk about Rick Bonus real quick because his press conference was real quick after the game, Bill. He's known pretty widely as a player's coach. Am I right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, player, players players love the guy. Um, but he didn't he's like what he had to say after that game. <laughs> they, he didn't. He didn't. He sounded almost like torts, right? Yeah. The, he, I mean, he didn't call any particular players, but he, he called out their leadership for, for sure. You yeah. Know? So, well, I mean, um, the thing that's interesting about that, though, is to me is, you know, he called it all the way back to as soon as we got in first place in January and February. There was no pushback. And basically, he's calling hockey players the worst thing you can call them, and that's soft. And, you know, I, I thought they played hard in that series. I didn't think they played hard in that last game. They weren't a hard team to play against. But it's naturally put a couple of names out there. First and foremost, Blake Wheeler. I know Jeff Marrick on 32 Thoughts mentioned Blake Wheeler and the Flyers. Does that make any sense to you? Well, it, it, it all depends on what's moving around, but Wheeler has uh, at least a partial no trade. And with the Flyers, What about I mean, Ryan Ellis for Blake Wheeler? But, if, but Wheeler holds the cards, though. He would have to agree to come to the Flyers. Yeah, but wouldn't know? he want to do anything to get out of Winnipeg? <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've got a point um you know especially especially a winnipeg winner i don't uh you yeah. know but no i mean and, and the flyers would certainly try to turn around and move them by the deadline um yeah i mean for i mean for my yeah for the flyers that, that would make a ton of sense um winnipeg would then winnipeg would get the the long-term you know, uh, long term relief for for a while, and and Wheeler is an expiring deal. So you can see, you know, you can see how that how that fits there. And Wheeler, Wheeler, uh, you know, you because you don't know how Couturier is going to be if he's going to be healthy or not, and you need another, you know, need another, another skilled center, and it's a short term thing. So I, I I can see all that, but I just I just don't see him waiting to come to Philly. So yeah, I, but is is that the route? that they need to go when it comes to Ryan Ellis's contract. I think we all feel he's not going to play again, Yeah. but this is a way for teams to, you know, create cap space by trading a player on a much shorter term than Ryan Ellis, like Blake Wheeler. I know Anthony DeMarco brought up a, a guy like uh, Tyler Myers in Vancouver um, to do the same thing with you trade on that contract. They get the relief because they immediately LTIR him. Right, but is that something you could see happening in with Ryan Ellis in this contract situation? Well, I, I could, you know, I mean, and that certainly that certainly is a way to alleviate yourself of, um, 
I mean, the Flyers for the next couple of years are not going to be a team that's going to be bumping up against the cap ceiling. You know, that, that seems to be the plan, at least. It seems they're, they're going to go young, and young means less expensive, too. So, I, I, you know, I could, I could certainly see the Flyers trying to work it that way. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, there, there's some precedent, in even the organization, when, when the Flyers were able to move Chris Pronger to uh, to the Coyotes, right? Um, yeah. And Pronger hadn't played in several years at that point. It was it was strictly they had to get to the cap floor, and in, in that in that case, uh, and in, in this case, would be trading to a team that needs the long term uh, LTIR relief. So, um, certainly, teams league wide are, you know, you see those kind of deals. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I don't love them, but if the rules let you do it and you can get real, get cap relief that way then then do it. I mean, as you said, he, he's not going to play anymore. And that way you could get, uh, you know, cap off the books. You have an expiring, even, even if you're taking on a bigger cap hit for a year, mm-hmm. you work around that. And then, then suddenly that's off the books. And then suddenly, you know, that's uh that, that's liquid you know, some some liquid space you have especially with with a cap going up so as you're getting better you you can be in play for for bigger names if you play your cards right so yeah i can absolutely say it yeah it's almost like you're washing your hands of it in a lot less time um yeah. to be able to do that you know, you know the thing about it too bill is this is um you, you look at the situation and we got to see what goes out before you determine what comes in and what those needs are. Um, but when you talk about the salary cap and moving forward, obviously this president of hockey operations role, um, some of the names that we have heard have been some capologists or have a lot of history there. Uh, and, you know, it's a couple of the names that came up this past week. One we've talked about in Scott Mellonby, his name's yeah. kind of been there constant since the day Chuck Fletcher was fired, frankly. And then the other one is former flyer, and current TSN broadcaster Dave Poulin. Now, Dave Poulin spent some time in, in the front office, I believe, in Toronto. Um, yeah. He ran the program at the uh, University of Notre Dame. Uh, the program there was a the coach for a long time as well. Great hockey guy. Um, what do you think of both of those names? Let's take them kind of one by one. Let's start with Scott Mellonby. We know his most recent gig, he's with St. Louis, working as an advisor, I believe, to Doug Armstrong. Uh, but he was also obviously with Montreal, working under Mark Bergevin for a long time. Yeah, I mean, and, and uh, I mean, Scotty has been a guy who's been in, in hockey ops pretty continuously for a long time now. Um, you know, I always liked him as a player. I always, always thought, even though he was with Florida for much of his latter career, I always thought he would be one of those guys who ultimately finished his career in Philly. Obviously, didn't that didn't work out that way? But um, you know, he he and and uh, Rick Tockett were kind of similar players in their playing days. Obviously, Talk being probably the better player of the two, as, as it turned out. But um, you know, he's uh, even though he's kind of an old school hockey guy, he, he's a guy who understands how the game has changed. And um, you know, he he's worked in some pretty tough markets, Montreal being a pretty darn tough market, and was there for a number of years. Um, you know, I, he it, he's been waiting for his chance to be a GM somewhere. Um, I don't know if or when that's going to happen, but president of hockey, you know, president of hockey ops, he really would be a, you know, he, he would be a, he'd be a good guy. I think for, for Danny Briere to work with a guy who's on top of what's going on around the and certainly a plugged in guy. So that, 
that that would make sense. Um, you know, and, and President yeah. Hockey Ops doesn't have to have been a GM. Like, look at Brendan Shanahan, for example. No, exa- exactly, exactly. And I mean, and, you know, and Scotty was an AGM for a long time too. So, yeah, you know, and, and on, I mean, he's, uh, you know, he would be he would be a solid hire. And and, and I know the instant oh he was a flyer come up, but. You know, he hasn't been. A, he left the Flyers in 1990. It's been a long time since Scotty was here. Yeah. So, and matter of fact, he <laughs> he played more games, considerably more. As a matter of fact, the Florida Panther played 552 games as yeah. a Panther, 355 as a Flyer in six years. All said and done, I mean, the guy had a 21 year career, 1431 yeah. games, and how about to the tune? Of 840 points, second round pick, 27th overall. Of course, that'd be a late first rounder uh, in today's NHL. Let's talk about Dave Poulin, um, because Dave Poulin, you know, for for all those years after Bob Clark retired, he was the consummate leader. He had to yes. navigate through some very tough waters, obviously, with the Pelly Lundberg situation. Uh, being the captain of a Mike Keenan team is probably no easy task to boot, and uh, you know he was one of the faces of those very very good teams in the early and mid eighties and late eighties. Um, Dave Poulin as, as a potential fit for the president of hockey operations. Well, uh, you know, and, and Dave also has that, that business background too. Um, he, does. Uh, he went through the Procter and Gamble training program and actually that that's what he was going to do. He was almost out of hockey way back when, and he was going to go in the business world. Um, and uh, so, I mean, he's, he, he's kind of the guy who has uh, he can walk with one foot in, in both worlds, both the business side of it and the hockey side of it. Although obviously he's been in hockey for a long time. Um, he, he did have, he did have the stint as the assistant general manager in Toronto. Uh, it was at a time when things weren't going great in Toronto, but um, I mean, listen, you're not going to find a brighter guy. I'm just not good. Don't touch a good hockey, but a brighter guy than Dave Poulin. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I'm trying trying to separate biases here because he's one of my favorite people in hockey, and just a, just a great guy to deal with. Just a good um, yeah. Oh, he's yeah, just 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 a good person, just a good person, and uh, obviously very hockey savvy. Um, you know, he he writes his own blog at TSN, and so it's a must read. And 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 unlike some guys, maybe their name goes on the column and somebody ghosts it. You know, Dave writes his own, and. Uh, it's uh and, and it's always insightful. I've I've always found Dave to have a, a lot of insight to offer. Um, you know, now he's old school in some ways. He's not the biggest analytics guy. Um, but the Flyers have an analytics department and that kind of thing. So I uh, if Dave wants to move from out from a pretty comfortable broadcasting career to, to step back into an organization, this would probably this would probably be the one he would come to. I certainly have interest, maybe if if you know. He's interested in such a such a move, um, you know. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Um, I don't know what the timetable is here. But he's a guy. He's a guy who they don't have to go to another organization to ask for permission to speak to. Yeah. So that 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 might be a guy who might be if they're if they're serious could they could progress pretty quickly with too. So if we hear from coming in for an interview because all, all this is still speculatory, um, I would I would assume it would be soon. If it moves past another week or two. Um, and, and you haven't heard anything in that regard. I, I would think that talk might start to fade a little bit, but I, you know, I, I think that, um, 
But I just think in terms of of not, not just the name recognition part of it, but just in terms of just just being a really bright guy, works works well. Has always has always been after after Clark, he's probably the best captain in Flyers history. Um, so you know, and and he did a good job. And then and again, I know it's college versus pros, but he did he did a good job with the Notre Dame program too. Really did, yeah. Um, that that was that, that was almost that was a collegiate version of a rebuild actually when he got mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So, um. So, uh, I I could see, uh, I could see a possible fit there as well. Now he doesn't have he doesn't have as much NHL front office experience as uh, you know as Scott Mellonby and maybe some other names that might come up, but it, it, it's an intriguing name, and that's a guy who, uh, boy, he he I mean he lacks nothing for work ethic too. So yeah. it, it, it's something where, you know, it's something where I, I could see it. I could see it being a fit. Um, you know, he he and Danny would, would work well together. And any and anyone who could work as well as he did with Mike Keaton could work with John Tortorella. In, in he, uh, you know, I mean, the, the thing is, is that the thing is, is that I, I you don't want a power struggle in the organization. And Dave is the guy I don't think would be involved in that kind of a situation. There, there are guys they could hire. Uh, like like I, I think it would be a disaster, for example, to bring Brian Burke. Because I, yeah. I think I think the Tort and Berkey would just it would just clash, yeah. And it, it, I just I couldn't see that work. I couldn't see them coexisting together for for too, too long. Too much truculence. Way way too much truculence on on, on both sides, right? So <laughs> uh, you know, so that that so I think it has to be someone where the personalities fit as well as the knowledge too. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I like Brian Burke a lot. He's entertaining. He would be entertaining, but I don't think you can have two guys with, to use Berkey's term, that much truculence. Um, let me ask you about, there's a guy that I'm really interested in, and that's Doug Wilson. He was with San Jose from 2003 up until 2022. Um, I mean, he's a guy that, that built a team. They didn't win a cup. They got to one finals. I mean, they, I mean, 14 playoff appearances, Bill. And they never got over the hump, but Doug Wilson, to me, is one of those guys that if if he wanted to graduate to that president's role, boy, I would think he'd have a lot of great insight to help a good young general manager. I really do. Oh, oh for sure. That, that, All that's a, player, too. <laughs> yeah, that too. That, that's certainly, you know, totally nice item on a resume also. But he, uh, yeah, I mean, tons of experience. Oh, my gosh. You know, in the general manager's role, um, I don't know. You, know, one, you hear, you hear about the influence of the advisors and and uh, being backed away from. You know, he he has that past relationship with Dean Lombardi because yeah. he he He's started. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dean was still in San Jose at, at the time when yeah. when Wilson went there. So you know, back back in his playing days, I don't know. If, I don't know if that would play in whatsoever. But if if he would have if he would have interest, then yeah, he he'd be a front of the line, a front of the line candidate. Um, I I don't I don't see any drawbacks, and you know, and it would and and nobody could complain that it's another another ex flyer coming in because he has no no relationship, you know, to speak of having ever worked or played for the Flyers. Not that yeah. not again not not that I think you you don't you don't hire a guy because he has a flyer size. You also 
you also don't avoid him only for that reason. But you know, but but Doug Wilson has would be would be a different voice, and yeah. uh, you know, a, a case could be made that you do need a different voice who's play who who has entire managerial career and playing career before that in, in uh, other situations. So uh, I I think that between the knowledge, the experience, all that, if if he's if he's interested, then you certainly bring him in, and he's a shortlist guy. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I, I think again, I think he'd be a guy that'd be a tremendous resource to a, a young GM like Danny Briere uh, in this situation. So he'd be a guy that I would definitely want to talk to Bill. I, I initially thought that, you know, the timeline on the president of hockey operations, unless they were really holding out to speak to somebody that they weren't allowed to speak to yet um, was probably going to be done before the NHL draft lottery, which is a week from today, this Monday. Um, it's going to be, you know, a week from today, that evening, but I'm thinking it's more and more unlikely that this is wrapped up before the NHL draft lottery and we really take a crack at getting some good ho- hockey luck here. It does, yeah, it, it, it doesn't seem to be that they're the, the end game here. Um, that, that would leak as to who's, you know, who's... You hear more names have been interviewed and, and you'd hear names being on a short list and guys and, and, and names that are being out of the running. Uh, you know, we've heard that Emily Castingay had an interview, but it sounds like she's not going to be in the, uh, in the second round. It was, it was almost like, if you, you know, almost just like her name was out there and, you know, she, she's, she's a young executive and that kind of thing. But all the other names are still circulating and um, it doesn't sound like a decision is imminent. I, I, I don't, I don't think considering the timeline between now and when the lottery is, I'd be surprised, actually. Yeah, you know? yeah I would as well. Um, one of the parts of this equation and trying to find a president of hockey operations is who's involved in that search and all that, but also recently were the U18s. And I did see a picture the other day of Brent Flair and Danny Briere uh, dressed in black at the U18s, taking it all in. You know, who really jumped out to you at the U18s? I know Will Smith. Not the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but yeah. Will Smith had a, a very nice tournament landing MVP honors. And yep. uh, if the Flyers are to stay, you know, don't get lottery luck and end up in that 7-8 area. Will Smith, a guy that you would absolutely target. I know his skating has been something that is, has been questioned. Yeah, and, and uh, it, it's funny. I mean, he stepped up at a, obviously in a huge situation in the gold medal game today. He was really yeah. quiet for two periods. Um, you know, sometimes – Sometimes when scouts look at a player almost too much, they start nitpicking him, and, mm-hmm. and, you, and you hear Smith get nitpicked a lot. Um, I see that happening <laughs> with Michkov right now too. Oh, oh, for for sure, and and not just for the political stuff too. Yep. You, know, you, you hear oh, well, there's attitude question marks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. One way play, I, you know, yeah. When, when a guy gets that much level of hype, unless he just, yeah, I mean, there's even there's even some people that that. Uh, I said, well, Bedard had better score 115 points a year because, you know, he he's not the best two-way player. You know, you're just gonna you're just gonna get that. Uh, obviously, Bedard is gonna be the first pick of the draft, regardless. Uh, and Fantilli will be second, and you know, and you, you hear all the you hear all the good stuff about Carlson going third. But I'll bet you if Carlson was the uh, consensus number one or number two, you know, he he gets a nitpicking too. 
So yeah. it just it, it just it just He's goes with the crosshairs. Yeah, <laughs> you you know it, it just goes with the turf. Um, th- this is a very good. Uh, as always, the national team development program is very good, and you're gonna you probably have what five guys at least, maybe six. Yeah, go uh, go in the first round. Um, you know, do you want a center? Do you want a winger? Uh, yeah, five if, go in the top twenty picks. It's crazy. Right. It's crazy. Yeah, and and if Moore could, well, if Smith could skate like Moore, he'd go with the. You know, he, he would be a lot to go in the top four. Um, so, I mean, more more kind of the X factor because he has so much speed and, and you know, he, you hear you hear some comparisons with guys like Dylan Larkin. Yep. Um, and he's their second line. He's their second line center. So, you know, he doesn't get quite the opportunities uh, that, that Smith gets at the top of the lineup. But you go know, to guys like like Perot, Leonard today with a gold medal goal, and and he's. He he's a ta- he's a real talent too. Um, I mean, Eiserman uh, is not even draft eligible till next year, but he's a guy who could go in the first round this year. So they, that that national team program, and the Flyers draft from that program a lot too. That, yeah. That's something that's something else to to think about. I'll, I'll tell you though, you know, away from from USA, uh, where I do think there was a good chance the Flyers just by the just by the odds end up drafting a guy from the program. Um, Dalbert Dvorsky of, of the he's exploded, he has exploded in this tournament. He's been phenomenal. He looks, he looks like a future, uh, a future first line forward. Yeah. And, and, um, well, he could snap it too, man. Uh, he has an unbelievable, unbelievable yep. release. Yeah. Um, he's pretty good chance he's there at number seven. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's very tempting. Do you worry so, about guys, Bill, those, those late risers up the board? Based on it's not with him with Dvorsky, it's not just based on the one tournament. He's right. really turning heads for a couple of months now in a big, big yeah. way. And the consideration yeah. on him is has evolved. Do you worry about the late bloomer though? I will tell you what I worry a little bit more about than about the late bloomer. And and like David Pasternak was a was a late bloomer. Yeah. In the draft. And and he's pretty uh good. Yeah, he's he turned out he turned out pretty good. Um you know, and and I, I it all depends on the player. Sometimes I'm a little leery of the late birth year players, mm-hmm. um, where they could have almost have gone in the previous draft. Um, classic case of that was was Nolan Patrick because he he barely missed out on the twenty on being eligible for the 2016 draft. So he was one of the oldest first time eligible players in his draft class. So you have yeah. you have to take that with with a grain of salt. Where you know, sometimes you're almost a year older. The, the, the youngest guys and that's a by. huge thing growing up oh no no question no yeah. question um so i i i don't say you you discount uh the, the late birth year player but i do think you need to look critically at it and, and how much of that is a factor how much is maybe a guy's a little more physical you know a little more physically mature than yeah. than other guys in the draft class so i think i think those are all factors that come into play um I'd be leery of a guy who really was really under the radar until the under 18s. Yeah. Um, and then, then it's then almost it's like a hype really, machine. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, and, and a lot of times those guys kind of level off a little bit. I mean, uh, to Amala, a couple of years ago, I, we had like eight goals or something like that in the, the under 18s. And, and that, 
Um, I mean, he ended up going in the second round, but there was even talk of maybe even getting into the first round. Yeah. You know, so he, you know and, and since then he's, he's struggled to advance from there. I'm not saying he can't get on target, but I'm just saying you, you, you can't, you can't put too much in one tournament. And, uh, but, but, but in, in the case of Dvorsky, I, I think, I think he's a real thing. He's a really good player. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens coming up a week from tonight uh, for the NHL draft lottery. He's going to be a good player there. Uh, it's still, I still feel like there's a little bit of luck to be had. Um, who do you got winning game seven tonight? New Jersey versus the New York Rangers. This series has been fascinating to me because the Rangers just trucked them in games one and two, five to one in both games. Then yeah. the Devils and that Lindy Ruff style signature team, you know, just come back and, and they win three straight. But then, you know, the Rangers force a game seven. It's in New Jersey tonight. Who do you think wins that game seven? I like Jersey. I have Jersey. I have Jersey. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Do, do they go back to Akira Schmidt in, Schmidt in that game or do you go to Vitek Vanacek? I I go with Schmidt. I would too. Yeah, I wouldn't pull what Jim Montgomery did because I thought what Jim Montgomery did was very very gutsy, and yeah. I wouldn't have done it. No, no, I know those two no, both not. have been great no, all year, and and it uh, and it was it wasn't ultimately the deciding factor tonight anyway. But but it was uh, yeah. I I would say that yeah. I, I didn't I, love I two know. of the goals though, Bill. Yeah. I didn't love yeah. that first goal. I didn't like the backhand goal that he gave up for the, for the first goal of the game to Montour. Yeah. And I didn't like the one that tied it either, not sealing that post. Yeah. No, but, yeah which is true. But I mean, I don't know. Allmark, Allmark, really, really, Allmark really seemed off of his game, though. I, 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 I understood the move. I, you know, some, sometimes, sometimes you end up sticking with the guy that got you there, but, he, but he's off and he's, you know, and, and he has a bad game. He, it's, it's no win. I, 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 you know, I, I get the move. I don't, I don't know. There, there were a lot of good saves in between there too. There so. was. I thought, I thought he played well. He's not the reason why they lost. And look, look what happened. You know, Jay Woodcraft out in Edmonton. He went back to Skinner after, yeah. you know, Campbell came in and, and played really well for them and really saved the series. I think for that team. And but it just goes to show you that. You know, you can have good goaltending in the regular season too, but playoff goaltending is different. It just is like, how many times did we see Bobrovsky? I mean, he's only won a second playoff series of his career with that yeah. win over Boston, and he didn't even play the first three games. And yeah. I mean, it's it's a different animal being able to handle the pressures of goaltending in the playoffs. And you know, if the Flyers can get back into that playoffs, they know they got a goaltender that can handle it because we saw him handle it. Yeah, no, no, for sure. We we saw we saw that Montreal series. We saw getting yep. getting the Islanders to seven games, right? Yeah. Um, and that 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 comes as a very young goalie. So you put a team in front of them, and 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 I think you know I I, I wouldn't even worry about it. I, I think he's perfectly capable. Um, you know, and, and you mentioned about Bob, that rebound goal with oh. Pastor next week. That was a terrible rebound. My goodness. Terrible. Horrible yeah. goal to give up in that spot, too. He, he's got to do a couple of things there. He's either got to take more ice or take a lot less ice. Yeah. And either if he takes more, he eats the puck. And he's able to directional rebound it to the corner better. First of all, what he should have done is he should have got a stick on it, and he should have deflected it right into the safety netting. Yeah. He kicked it right to Pasternak. P.O.P., pass off the pad. I mean, Brandon Carlo knew exactly what he was doing on that. Oh, yeah. 
yeah, from from that distance, he he has he has to play that a lot better. Just, yeah, I and, agree. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, you play. I don't know. You go in and and that, that's really why I thought Boston had the game. I yeah. really, I really thought. You thought, oh boy, here we go. Um, you know, now the series that Toronto just got through, and and they won two games they had no business winning in that series. In that series. And game seven, obviously, is a game seven overtime. That that can go either which way. Regulation could have gone either which way, too. But the game where they're down four to one in the third period, they have no business winning that, you know? And, not against Tampa. <laughs> no, not, not against Tampa. And then the other the other game, it seemed under control. I mean, yes, they scored in the final mid, and that can happen. Yeah. But, it, but it really seemed like Tampa had the game under control. And you're you're expecting the inevitable empty net goal, you know? Yep. And then uh, then wait for the next game. It was really – Toronto could have been out in five. You know, other, yeah. other than game two, they were either outplayed or it was equal. So, you know, I, I – and, again, every series takes on its own personality. And sometimes – sometimes when you pull off that big upset in the first round too, it's hard – it's just hard in the next series. Yeah. So That's where you pay I, the price. Yeah. 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 So – uh, and, and you mentioned Kachuk before. This much I do know. He's he's going to be public enemy number one in Toronto. Number two, number will, three, and number four, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and he'll earn it. <laughs> yep. You know, he, he will absolutely earn it. So he'll, he'll, be, uh, he'll be a thorn in their side. I just, you know, uh, and I, I, I take no joy in saying this because Toronto is one of those teams I root against. But I, I, I do think Toronto is going to get through this next series, um, and then I don't know, I don't know if they'll get through Carolina if, if they run the Carolina in the conference final. Yeah, I think Carolina is poised right now to go to the Cup final, Bill. Yeah, I, they they sure look like it. They sure look yeah. good. Yeah, they do. Um, as we're taping this too, um, just an update from where we sit at this moment. We'll see if this holds up. But the Seattle Kraken in Game Seven are up two to nothing on the Cup champion. Colorado Avalanche and the job that Dave Haxtell has done there has been nothing short of amazing. Oh yeah, it, 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 it's all about team building too. They're yeah. they're definitely a team that's more than the sum of the parts, and boy are they fast. They, yeah. they have they have a phenomenal team speed there. It's crazy. Yeah, and they're getting great goaltending from Philip Grubauer. He's got twenty six saves through two periods of play. Uh, at our conclusion of this episode right now at eleven eleven, so we'll put a wrap on it right there. Bill, great stuff as always. Read Bill's work on philadelphiaflyers.com, nhl.com, and hockeybuzz.com. We'll convene again next Monday, and it'll be NHL Draft Lottery Night. So we'll have plenty to discuss, and we'll have more of our Exit Day player interview series coming up on Wednesday as well. Everybody, enjoy your Monday. We'll talk to you Wednesday on a brand-new Fire Stand.